A heavy cloak of smoke hangs in the room, stinging your eyes and nostrils. The reeking smell of manure makes the single room of your family's house an unpleasant place to stay. Right in the middle, a large fire rages in a pit, spewing angry red flames towards a charred black pot, boiling an ugly soup of water and stinging nettles, hanging on a metal rod over the fire. You hate the rough rags on your hard, cold bunk, and you despise the prickly rushes on the floor. But this is your home. It is all you have ever known. By the turn of the 6th century, Anglo-Saxon settlements had been established across the lands of Britannia. From hamlets to cities, they provided an important agricultural, industrial, and economic network for the Anglo-Saxon aristocracy. The Anglo-Saxons are beginning to refer to their land as Angleland and are assimilating themselves into the native Romano-Bretonic population. Most villages in early Anglo-Saxon England were built near rivers because the Saxons were good sailors. Rivers provided an efficient means of transport and trade between towns, and fishing served as an extra food source when the farming season yielded poorly. Though there are no original Anglo-Saxon houses left in Britain today, we know from archaeological digs that churls, the largest class in the Saxon feudal system, built their homes from natural resources like wood and thatch. For the average freeman who lived off his lord's land, a rectangular wattle and daub hut was all he could afford. Wattle and daub is a material made by weaving branches tightly together and packing the gaps with mud and animal feces, as well as straw and hair. The roof was thatched with straw, a natural reed which made a good waterproof shelter. As straw rotted quickly, thatched roofs were repeatedly replaced. There are several kinds of house designs in Anglo-Saxon settlements, depending on the wealth of the owner, but a single-family room was the norm for most peasants. Framed buildings featured multiple large posts embedded as deep as two meters into the ground, holding up the walls. Horizontal branches nailed into the posts and wattle and daub constituted the rest of the walls. Some house walls had cavities between the planks of wood filled with dirt, stones, and grass. Richard Freeman might construct a framed building with larger posts and wooden planks wrapped around the perimeter. Framed houses were larger because they had stronger structures and the construction method was unnecessary for small rooms. In some rare cases, they even had a small second story. A-frame houses, which are still used in woodland survival nowadays, were quite common and quick to make, and they did not require much ingenuity. A reenactment group called the Raven's Warband tried building an Anglo-Saxon A-frame house, and they say that cutting the thatch was the most labor-intensive part of the job. Some archaeologists have suggested that the houses were not actually sunk into the ground, but instead had a low cellar for storage below the floor. In crowded towns and cities, this would have been especially useful, and the archaeological evidence seems to credit the theory because sunken cellars are more prevalent in the late Anglo-Saxon period when cities were rapidly expanding. Turf houses were popular in the north, such as the Scottish Islands, 
where stone and timber were less common. It was quite easy to build a turf house, and the process produced a relatively comfortable living space. The primary purpose of a house was to keep the inhabitants warm and protected from the elements. Often, rushes were arranged along the ground to insulate the house and provide a warmer ground for sleeping on. In some cases, wooden planks and stones were fastened into the ground. Houses were built facing the sun to absorb as much heat in the winter as possible. It has been theorized that the Anglo-Saxons built their houses in pits low in the ground so the temperature of the house would be cooler in summer and warmer in winter. A large fire pit took up a fair deal of room in the middle of the house. While most Anglo-Saxon homes did not have any ventilation, sometimes a smoke hole would be cut in the roof so that the interior of the house would not be polluted by carbon dioxide. This ensured the health of its inhabitants, but most Saxons had bigger priorities. If they let their houses fill up with smoke, the fumes could preserve meat hanging from planks and nails. During the winter, when food supplies were low, this preserved meat was a lifesaver. Animal skins were used to cover the windows, which were generally small. The only purpose of a window was for ventilation if the room got too smoky, and to let in sunlight, but having large windows would make the house cold in autumn and winter. Most peasant houses did not have windows, and light came in only through the main doorway. Typically, the animals slept inside the single room alongside the dwellers. For example, a family might sleep with their precious ox, while a poorer family might share the room with three chickens. Animal excrement inside the house was collected and burnt on a fire for cheap fuel, or used as compost for the garden vegetable patch. You might not consider an Anglo-Saxon peasant's bed to be extremely comfortable, but they had to work with what they could forage. It is possible that the Saxons had early bunk beds for sleeping on, but it seems that in most cases, they slept on benches nailed into the walls. Furniture, like tables and chairs, were rare. If you had pigments, you might be able to paint the inside walls of your house, but it was not a priority. For the most part, houses were not locked unless they included workshops, and the hinges on the door would be wood or, for richer peasants, iron. High-quality doors and light fixtures were only found in towns, where craftsmen, smiths, and merchants were more accessible. Houses ran in rows back from the high street, and markets and merchants' houses fought for space along the roadsides. On the estates of the wealthy, the richer thanes built their houses on wooden or stone foundations and used neatly cut planks to line their walls. Lords had great halls constructed, and they were extremely popular. In the myth of Beowulf, the Great Hall is a place of drinking and feasting where a lord would meet with his warriors to celebrate and exchange gifts. In the tale, Hrothgar had a hall called Herot, rumored to be the biggest of halls. It is said that the hall towered up, high and wide gabled. Inside, animal hides may have been used to carpet the floor and sometimes even the walls. There might have been a long feasting table and benches, and bunks for the lords on hand warriors. Rare examples have been found of great halls built out of stone, but it seems many of them still had timber roofs 
because they were easier to build than stone or tiled roofs. Stone was not used as much as it was during the Roman period, as it was far cheaper, easier, and less time-consuming to build houses and practical buildings out of wood. The reason only churches, early castles, and the elite great halls were built in stone is because it showed the wealth of the owner, or God. After the Roman departure from Britain, the Anglo-Saxons learned many useful stone masonry skills from the native population. But building large stone structures was no longer economically viable. A great deal more money was poured into churches and monasteries, as well as the financing of warfare, often against neighboring kingdoms. A common shortcoming of modern study into Anglo-Saxon life is that we use a one-size-fits-all perspective towards the designs of early medieval houses. We generalize the purpose of these houses and the people who lived in them. They were all peasant farmers and lived in the same small thatched cottages, right? But this viewpoint is distorted and entirely overlooks the complexity of Anglo-Saxon society. What about the blacksmiths, the craftsmen, the leather workers, and the jewelry makers? Nor can you forget the potters, woodworkers, stonemasons, and artisans. From a modern perspective, looking back into the past, it is easy to assume life was the same for everyone. However, the truth is that the Anglo-Saxons had a wide range of housing designs, dimensions, and appearances, each one built perfectly according to the purpose it would serve. Though they had to be replaced frequently, Anglo-Saxon houses created the basis for an emerging mesh of kingdoms and allowed fascinating towns and cities to spring up throughout England. Without a variety of house-building styles and arrangements, civilization in Anglo-Saxon Britain would have been impossible. And you know what else is impossible? Creating this podcast without your loyal support. And that is why we are asking you, if you can, to help us continue making medieval history accessible. One of the great perks of our Patreon page is that you get access to all the premium content we will be posting on Medieval Extras in the next few weeks. So, if you prefer a subscription-based way of accessing bonus content, please consider pledging to patreon.com slash medievalpodcast. The link is below. Thank you.